0: miraculous and improbable run for the Philadelphia Phillies has come to an end. It is over. The Houston Astros are unfortunately our 2022 World Series champions. Welcome to the On the Bump podcast presented to you by SeatGeek. Looking to go to a Sixers or a Flyers game anytime soon? Head over to SeatGeek.com and use your code ONTHEBUMP, one word, for $20 off your first SeatGeek ticket purchase. Um It was a great and wild ride, uh, this thing that we have invested ourselves in called Red October, Um, but it ended in just bitter disappointment with a 4-1 loss at Minute Maid Park on the fifth day of November. The Astros are World Series champions for the second time in six years, and Dusty Baker is finally a World Series winner for the first time uh, is 25 years in the big leagues as a manager, and I'm sure Fox and John Smoltz and all of them are just loving every second of of everything involving the Astros and Dusty Baker because that was the entire broadcast uh, of Game Six, regardless of the score. The Astros are champs because their pitching completely shut down the strikeout happy Philadelphia Phillies who broke a new uh, broke the record, the World Series record for strikeouts. Uh, In less than seven games, 70 strikeouts was the record before. 71 now is the new record uh, held by our Philadelphia Phillies. Um, The fateful sixth inning, which will be debated all winter and on this episode tonight. Um, Should Rob Thompson let Zach Wheeler try to get out of his own jam instead of entrusting the job to Jose Alvarado? Uh, The debate started the instant that Jordan Alvarez made contact with Alvarado's 99-mile-per-hour sinker that has yet to land in Houston somewhere um, in Game 6 of the World Series this past Saturday night. You know, Zach Wheeler, who was pitching an absolute gem uh, of, of a start here where we were all worried about arm fatigue, um, this time on an extra day's rest, Wheeler – was dealing man. I mean, he was averaging between 97 to 99 on his fastball up until the very end. You know, he was caught off guard based on his comments after the game. Uh, In the end, though, the Phillies putrid offense and poor decision-making from their manager cost the Phillies, the world series Uh, Rob Thompson outmanaged himself. He refused to adapt. He refused to change. He went with a formula that worked that a formula that worked through game three, then it went downhill in a rocket ship. Uh, there was so much more to this World Series than the decision to remove Zach Wheeler in the sixth inning, with his team up one nothing in Game Six. You no, know, the Phillies' offense faded so badly after hitting five home runs in Game Three that you know they were out. They were no hit. They struck out fourteen times in Game Four, and they were no hit in their own building uh, in a combined no hitter. The defense was shoddy in Game Five. Uh, they had just three hits in Game Six, and they struck out twelve times. Um, you know, but but the thing that will be debated all you know all winter long will be the decision to pull Zach Wheeler. You know, it ain't easy being a baseball manager. We all know that. Well, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Hey, look, you know, it's it'd be better if I was there or Jason or Dean." Um, you think through a move. You have you know sound reasons. Do it, you make the move now. It's up to Alvarado to execute. He didn't do it. If it works, then you're we're praising Rob Thompson today, probably about ready to watch game seven right now. It didn't work, so you there's got to be criticism. Um, you know, did the Phillies lose the World Series because Thompson pulled Zach Wheeler too early in game six? We don't know. I mean, it contributed obviously because it all went that that was it once. Jordan Alvarez, Saul Alvarado, he hit a 99-mile-per-hour sinker 450 feet. So did they lose because Alvarado lost the magic he had from mid-June through the early days of, what, uh, November, like up until this series? Did they lose because they just could not hit? Because they couldn't come up with a clutch defensive play like Chas McCormick did. In, in game five um, off the, the massive hit uh, at the end there in the bottom of the ninth off JT Real Muto. The Phillies couldn't execute anything like that. The answer to me is all of the above. But if there's one lasting image of Phillies fans will have from the final three games of the 2022 World Series, all Phillies losses, by the way, it will most likely, and this is my opinion, it will most likely be the offense's Magical disappearing act. You know, this city was as confident as ever after the Phillies slugged five home runs and a in a seven nothing winning game three to take the series lead. And all three of us on this show will say the same thing. We thought after game three going up two one, and you still got two more games to play inside Citizens Bank Park, we might actually have a parade down Broad Street before even going back to Houston. Then, a no-hitter against the Phillies. Then, the night of a zillion stranded runners stra- you know, setting records that broke their own streak from 2008. Luckily, the, the, the outcome was different back then. Then, one more unproductive evening against Framber Valdez. Over the span of 30 innings from the sixth inning of Game 3 through the end of the World Series, Phillies hitters went 9-for-98, nine for a picturesque batting average of .92. Forget the lack of success with runners in scoring position because they just didn't hit. Kyle Schwarber kept homering. Bryce Harper did all the damage he possibly could you could ever ask for from a player throughout the postseason. But, and Jason Kent said this numerous times, and he'll talk about it soon when he gets his little platform here to, to you know, praise Rob Thompson and all of that I'm just kidding Jason but um but there was little support in that lineup that was built to just destroy baseballs and they did little to none of that after game 3 that was a common refrain throughout the Phillies clubhouse though um they the the, the players were extremely disappointed because of how close they were to pulling off another upset you know hopefully getting to a point of shocking the world um from all the comments This was an experience they could build off moving forward. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll be right back in this spot next year. You know, there's an element of luck for any team that advances as far as a 2022 Phillies. And who knows if there will be as many rabbits to pull out of the hat that they did to get to this point. Um, In the end, the Phillies needed more from their right-handed hitters. Reese Hoskins, who I'm going to be shredding in just a few moments, went three for 25 in the World Series with 10 strikeouts. Nick Castellanos, who we've shredded all season, we'll get more soon. Went three for twenty-four with ten strikeouts. JT Realmuto went one for sixteen with ten strikeouts in the final four games. Gene Segura went three for twenty-one without a walk or an extra base hit. Look at the end of the day, and you know my my my, my heart said this, and obviously my optimism for wanting my team to win shown through when. I picked the Phillies to win in six, which I thought they really could. And the way the series was going, they, they damn well should have. The Phillies lost to a better team. They lost to a juggernaut. But the Astros could have been had. This World Series in its totality showed us, and hopefully the Phillies brass, that the goal in the offseason is to create and produce a sustainable baseball lineup. They have three designated hitters in this lineup. What will happen with Bryce Harper? Will he miss the beginning of the season if he has offseason surgery? We still haven't heard what's going on with that just yet. Uh, as of right now, he's supposed to play in the World Baseball Classic in March. They have three designated – I'm sorry, they just said that. Um, will they want to keep their franchise player in the DH role? If so, they have to do something with Kyle Schwarber and Castellanos because they both cannot play the outfield every single day, and the Phillies don't have the depth right now to fix that. As of today. And now the Phillies looked at the future. The winter meetings are a month away. An important offseason awaits. Segura, Zach Eflin, Noah Sindergaard, Kyle Gibson, David Robertson, Brad Hand are all free agents. That the payroll was high. But so were the expectations in 2023. This was a magical season. One that I will remember and cherish for the rest of my life. I feel like this was our 1993. How, you know how revered that team was. And that year was how so many fans of the last couple of generations, like our dads and our uncles, they always talked about how amazing 93 was. I feel like that was what we just had a team that was dead. The rights in May and early June, they were seven games under 500 on June 3rd. Tom- Rob Thompson takes over as manager and the Phillies fired Joe Girardi. The Phillies went 65-46 and under Thompson the remainder of the season and broke that 10-year playoff drought. The Phillies then took off on an inspiring playoff run of Red October. It ignited the city's passion for baseball again. Diehards like ourselves felt some vindication after suffering for over a decade. Some of the teams and the lineups that we watched over the last 10 years are what nightmares were made of. This run also created a legend. Bryce Harper etched himself into Phillies' lure with this, the historic postseason he's had. And at most points, he became the Allen Iverson of this team, carrying the entire roster on his back throughout a lot of this postseason. He has become everything and more than that. the, 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 the massive contract he signed brought in terms of expectations, and he's still in the prime of his career. Now, the last part of my, my thing here before we get to Jason Kent, um, two guys. Uh now I'm gonna get to the negative aspects now of this this Phillies eulogy that we're doing. I have reached the end of my rope with two guys. Okay. And two of these guys are massive fan favorites. And when the Philadelphia fan base has their favorites, logic goes way out the window and they become obsessed. Philadelphia fans become very much obsessed with certain players. The most recent one was, I guess you could say, probably Carson Wentz. I was part of that. We all did. 2017 was unreal, and it and it really kind of blinded a lot of people to what the problems really were. But notwithstanding, just that's what I mean in terms of obsession. Those two guys are Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola. I don't care that Hoskins is a wonderful human being and a teammate. It's rare to be a bad teammate. Okay, I understand his relationship with Bryce Harper and others. I get that. But he's way too streaky, strikes out a ton, doesn't walk enough, and is arguably the worst defensive first baseman I have ever seen. He loses you more games than he will win, in my opinion. His performance in the World Series was brutal beyond words. He went three for 25 with one RBI and 10 strikeouts. That's a slash line of 120, 154, 243, 94 he almost would have been way more valuable not even playing. You know, I I just feel like the Phillies have to move on from this incredible inconsistency. Um, The next one, Aaron Nola. I've been on this wagon for quite some time. If there's one thing I can't be criticized for is my disdain for Nola and how it has not wavered. The Philadelphia fan base is so infatuated with this guy and the one great year he had all the way back in 2018 where he finished third in the Cy Young race. Since then, he's been okay to completely mediocre. He strikes out a lot of guys. That's great. Guess what? We're in an era of baseball war where strikeouts are literally like being at a record pace every single year, just tops the next. Who cares? He also gives up a lot of runs and a ton of hits. In his two World Series starts, he went eight and the third innings, earning an ERA of 864, 13 hits, 8 runs, all earned, and a whip of 1.8. In his final three starts of the postseason, his ERA jumps to 969, 14 earned runs, and 13 innings of work. Uh, As an athlete, not as a person, this is what I say, he's a loser, quite frankly. He has somehow hypnotized the Philadelphia fan base into thinking he's anything but a number three starter. I would trust Ranger Soares on one day's rest in any situation before I ever again trust Nola towing the rubber in an important game. Unfortunately, I think both guys will be back. Hoskins coming back creates a continuing logjam in the lineup for Rob Thompson. Nola will come back because he's on a player-friendly deal, and there's just not a ton of pitching out in the free agency to where I can somehow sit here and say, well, this guy can replace Nola in, in the rotation. So he's someone that they will keep for at least another year. In closing, this team was terrible in the beginning of the season. They turned things completely around and made the playoffs. They retired Pujols and Yadier Molina, and they beat the Cardinals. They beat the defending world champions and division rival Braves. Then they beat uh, Juan Soto and the Padres, who had just gotten done being the best team in baseball. They go to the World Series, and they hand the Astros there were only two losses in a postseason to me this team internally from player to player top to bottom they don't have anything to hang their heads about other than maybe like their performance but over their performance in terms of what they they could have done what they were capable of this postseason was such a fun ride you know we can be sad or angry or whatever emotion fits for what you want to put in that box right now but we will come to see that the better team won the world series and the Phillies had a great run that brought the bait that brought baseball back to this city. And that's, that's my, my, uh, my eulogy for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Jason, I'm going to hand this over to you.
1: Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Man. What do I think about when I think of this season? Um, being their opening day against Oakland? till now, it is such a whirlwind of a season, and I'll try to express it the best I can. I won't be as eloquent as Chris because I'm not as educated as Chris, but here we go. I sit back and I reflect on the 22 season of the Phillies and I think at the beginning of the year, I spoke with Chris and and a lot of my friends that are baseball fans, we had super high expectations for this team, signing Schwarber and then signing Casti, And I think especially the Castellano signing is the one that put me over the edge because watching what that guy's been the last six, seven years, it, it reminded me of that 08 through 2011 lineup the Phillies had. They could just mash the ball. And especially early on, when they were making the playoffs and they won the World Series, it was a, it was a hitting. The hitting was the reason they won, not their pitching. And and that's what you felt this season could be, because they had the two guys up front, which, I'll, I'll get on Noel a little bit later. I've been one to really defend him this season, um, and and I will, slightly shred him later. But you have those two guys, and hopefully the rest could fill in out the way. But then, you go through April and you go through May, and it's not what you expected they were seven games below 500 at the end of may and about a day or two later girardi gets fired and in comes rob thompson and you feel kind of a sense of what can they do what what are we looking at from here the rest of the season because i felt at that point just being honest it was what do we have and what do we need going forward? Cause you know, there's some big names at the free agent and it's tough to say you're looking at free agency in, in may, but just, just being real. And right before they fired Girardi, they, they hit a win. They fired Girardi and then they hit this streak. I think it was 11 or 12 straight wins. And then they're off and rolling really through September, even with losing Bryce and losing Wheeler. Casty goes down later and it's improbable it it brought back a lot of feelings of what i had back in in those days being a season ticket holder for so long and going to those games and just going in there and just feel feeling the energy feeling the team even though the the crowd wasn't showing up you know this team is something especially when they're rolling and and i think we all said that they were they were beating the teams they should have beat can they beat those teams that are the next level teams and September came along and they get swept by the Cubs and they start losing games that they shouldn't lose. And the teams that are the teams you say they need to beat to be in that next level, they're not beating and they're getting smoked. And it was tough. It was tough to watch. And I was optimistic. I know. I mean, I was pessimistic I did not think they're making the playoffs on the last show we predicted. I said they weren't going to make playoffs because it's a tough schedule and you just weren't sure. but. In a year where it just seems like everything, watching it through now, it seemed like everything was set up our way. Last year, we're not even in the playoffs. Bryce Harper's on the injured reserve. He's done for the year, if this were last year. And the offseason changes come, and the National League, after a long debate, finally got the DH, and we've added a third wild card. So you're rolling down the end of September and the Phillies need a win in that last series against the Braves, which you look at it now is it's, it's great that we're the Braves are the real kind of the reason we got in a little bit and Nola pitches a gem and he was look, he looked great in September and you thought maybe, Hey, if you, if you can run with pitching in the playoffs, if your pitching gets hot, you can, you can get to the world series. And, and Wheeler and Nola in September going in, into the playoffs looked amazing. This team, it, it felt like starting that ninth inning against, against the Cardinals, they just took off. And it wasn't that, they were, that all of them were hitting so great. I think we discussed this going into the World Series. Phillies only had one guy batting over 244 going into the World Series, and that was Bryce Harper, who was absolutely mashing. This postseason. It was they were they the timing was amazing. The bullpen was out of this world for a team that last year I think broke the record for blown saves in a season. And and they come in this year during the regular season, pitched really well. And the postseason they stepped it up. And for the most part, you had Wheeler, you had Ranger. You had NOLA dealing through the NLCS, and they looked fantastic. And a lot of the mistakes, a lot of the low averages, a lot of the errors, a lot of the miscues were erased for the most part by all of the home runs and the timely hitting and everything else this team seemed to do right and everything that seemed to go their way. In the avalanche that was the phillies rolling into the world series and i i remember i think i said it to chris i think i said it in the group chat we got so many extra opportunities to the others to these other teams and and they just weren't capitalizing and it's not like they weren't good teams the cardinals are a division winner they had i think 90 plus wins you have the braves who had 101 wins i believe and the Padres, who made you know, a few more wins than us, but they just got done pretty much handling the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we played against some good teams, and they just didn't capitalize. And you thought, going to this World Series, I knew. I think you know, my prediction, as terrible as it was, as a Phillies fan, I just have to you know, talk, call it like I say it, And I just felt this Houston Astros team was too good. This is a team that has been there. Has seen in their sixth World Series appearance, no fourth World Series appearance in the last six years. A team that knows what it takes to get to this point. And even though most of that core hasn't been successful getting that World Series championship, they've all been there. They know the grind. They know the day ins, the day outs. And I think that showed with a lot of their players. Guys coming in hitting well, and, and a pitching staff that is second to none. Who pretty much outside of their, their, their first start of the season or the first start of the playoffs when Verlander gave up five, pretty much handled us well outside of the other five home run game, which McCullers looked terrible. Outside the bullpen dominated us I, under one ERA. Framber Valdez looked like he deserves to be the Cy Young winner. And I think when I look at this Phillies team, they need to look across that dugout and see a team that is – that was bit well, drafted well, great signings, a team that just put together well. And I think as much as people want to want to dog on the Astros for, for the cheater scandal and for some of the things you people are claiming that happened in this World Series, that is a great team that came in and dominated these Phillies hitters. But I think that was a microcosm of the season, pretty much. When they're going and they're hot, nobody can get these guys out. But when they're cold, (laughs) well, 70 strikeouts in six games or 71 strikeouts in six games kind of puts the nail in the coffin. And and the the Astros, every opportunity they got, they jumped on. They capitalized on all of our errors. And when when plays needed to be made – defensively the Astros made them with Chaz McCormick with Mancini coming in at first. And even though it was rocket right at him, a, a play that we've seen Reese miss. So I think going into this offseason, season, the, the Phillies know what they, they need. I think it, can they go get it? I, from the sounds of Bryce, it sounds like he wants to go spend. And I think my, my biggest takeaway from this season is I'm, I'm just proud of this team. And I think they, like Chris said, they have nothing to hold their hat on. They should be proud of where they came, the foundation that they set this season. While every team's goal is to win that elusive World Series, where they came from to where they're at today from June 1st is something to be revered. Like Chris said in this city, that we love, well, our fathers and our uncles, they love that 93 team. And, and this team showed grit. They showed a never quit attitude and, and they didn't die until that last coffin there at last night was put in that coffin. You, we believed, I think the whole city believed they could still win it. If the, if they got one hit and just could get that mojo, they're going to out hit this team. And, and that just didn't happen. And, and to me, th- this falls on one guy. He's a guy that in, in our chats i've defended he's a guy who i've defended on this podcast multiple times because i still believe believed he could be an ace in this league he's a guy that's shown he shown he's had the stuff and he's a guy who going into september i thought he righted his wrongs but when the brights were shining or the lights were shining brightest he failed us. He failed this city. He failed himself. And I think he would tell you the same thing. You can't have those type of performances in a world series. If you're Aaron Nola, after everything that was written about you about being a bad September pitcher and, and and seeing you collapse in September, really, And we thought we thought you righted that ship and and come the World Series. I thought they had a shot when we went in the game after game one. I think we all thought they had a great shot. Even though Nola looked bad, he could come back and redeem himself. And I know Dean and Chris did not not believe in him. And I still said, I think he can. And it looked like he could. And the wheels fell off. And he got in that fourth inning of of. Was it game four? He just got the bases loaded with no outs, and you can't do that in a World Series. You can't do that if you're an ace. And like Chris said, he's definitely coming back next season, but I I hope he sits down and reflects, and I don't know what what the problem was, if it was just Houston's so much better, because he rolled them. That's where my confidence came in, in that first game against Houston, to get us in the playoffs, he shut them down for six plus innings. And when the lights were brightest, he, he failed his team. He failed the city. He failed the fans. And it's disappointing because he's a guy that this team does need. If they want to come back next season. And I got to give, I got to commend Bryce. I think he's the guy and this is I'll end with this. And He's a guy when we first signed him, I was you know, was excited, but I hated the signing because I, I wanted Machado at that time. I thought we had a bigger need. And Bryce has come in and he signed his 12 or 13-year deal and done nothing but shown he's worth every penny. And even when he couldn't play, he couldn't play every day. He has to go to being a DH, which I'm sure he did not like. I'm sure he wanted to be in that field. And he just hit and he mashed and he came back in september and and through all of the struggles when the when the time was come for him to show who he is and what he's made of he showed this fan base and gave this fan base a of, of reason to believe in this team for the upcoming years and and a great foundation he i believe he's laid as the as the guy and you don't know like chris said we don't know what's going to happen if he's going to go dh permanently or if they want to try to keep him in that field. Or what his plan is for the offseason. But I don't think that dude will ever have to buy a beer in this city again. I think this overall season was a success. I think a lot of the heartbreak comes from we had them on the ropes. We had this Houston team on the ropes. And we couldn't finish it. But I hope this is the jumping off point And not just a magical season is how I'm going to end. I hope this just isn't that magical season that we don't see again, that that is the jumping off point for this team.
0: I agree, man. Phenomenal. And uh, obviously we'll talk more when uh, Dean is done, but uh, Dean, um, the sage is yours, man. Fire away.
2: Hello, everybody. How are you? Um, So much like these two guys last night, I mean, if you could see our group chat really for like, The whole playoffs, it was doom and gloom with me every single time the opposing team got a player on the base because I, and it sounds terrible, I had no faith in this team because I have been to 97 home games in the last five years since I moved home from the Army. I've been to 107 games total. That includes going to Baltimore, Boston, both New York stadiums, to watch this team play. And I have almost really never been convinced by a guy like Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola and Jose Alvarado and, you know, Zach Eflin, guys like that, you know. So I really just did not have a lot of faith in this team to where this year I went to six games, and that includes the one postseason game I went to. So Coming into this year, and let me you know what. Let me back it up to when we signed Joe Girardi, because I thought that was it. I was like the missing piece of the puzzle. It was Joe Girardi, you know, one of the best managers in the last fifteen years, Manager of the Year with the Marlins, World Series champ with the Yankees, consistently in the playoffs, all that, you know, happy stuff. I was like, that's it, you know. Uh, this this is he, he's going to take us to the next level, which at that time would have been the playoffs. Well, he didn't. So he gets fired this year. And I was just kind of like, well, I mean, what? Do, that's it. The season's over. You know what I mean? They made a move to make the move. You know what I mean? Because they were, at this point, they had spent all this money in the offseason. Still really didn't address the pitching. And <clears throat> they, just, <clears throat> excuse me, they just made the move. But I got kind of shut up a little bit. They went on a tear with Rob. And they, were having, they had a winning record. And for most of the season, they held at least that final wild card spot. So when they, when they got into the playoffs, I'm still going to be honest with you. I didn't think they were going to win anything, uh, especially as I'm sitting in a panel at New York Comic-Con and they're playing the San, De- San Diego Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm like, there's no way. They're, gonna go, they're going to go. in the St. Louis. It's pool holes magic you know, all over again. And then that ninth inning hits. So as I said, I had no faith, but I started to kind of be like, okay. They knocked the Cardinals out. Well, let's see what they do. I mean, there's no way they're going to beat the Just they just kept proving me wrong every series, even though I was very pessimistic about it because I didn't want to get my hopes up. Because I've spent, I've been a Phillies fan my whole life my, since since birth. I was born with a maroon Phillies hat on my head. I came out with that, and I have just spent a lifetime rooting for this team that has only made me happy one season, 35 years, one season. And we got to the World Series and I changed my tune. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, as we you saw in previous episodes, I had picked the Eagles, the Phillies, to win, to beat the Braves and to beat the Padres. Because, especially against the Padres, I didn't think the Padres was that good of a team. So I thought they were going to beat the Padres. I picked the Braves. I picked the Phillies to beat the Braves because I'm a homer. But we got to the World Series, and that's, that was the first time I truly believed we might do this. There's a bit of magic to this team, there's a bit of luck to this team, a little like they've really embodied the underdog that this city idolizes so much. Um, am I proud of this team? Unequivocally, F yes. I am. Um, because June 1st, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this last season. I, You know, 2017 when Tommy Joseph is our first baseman and Cameron Rupp is our catcher and Mikel Franco is third baseman, I'm not sitting there going, five years from now, we're going to be in the World Series playing the, you know, whatever you want to think about the past of the Astros and 17 and stuff like that. They are one of the blueprints of baseball. You know, the Dodgers and the Astros are probably the best run organizations in the entire league. And that's what every team, albeit the cheating scandal, should model themselves after. Deep, deep, deep farm systems, great at drafting, not afraid to spend if they to, to win it. And we took them almost to the brink. And that makes me really proud of this team. And as these two guys had just said, you know, It kind of reminds them, and and this is kind of our 1993 team. And I agree with that. But I hope they don't turn into that 1993 team and not have a winning season for another decade. Because that team in 1993 won 97 games. And the Phillies then went eight years without a winning record. And then they didn't get into the playoffs for 14 years. So. That is something I don't want to see this team do. Thankfully, I don't see this team doing that because now you have, oh my God, the owner, uh, I can't remember his name. And these guys are muted. So Middleton. It matter. Middleton. Thank you. I've met the guy too. I should have remembered it. <laughs> I think he sees now at this point, he knows what he needs to do. It was right there. It was right there. We had our chances in games four and, and and, I'm sorry, games five and six. We outplayed them in game five. We should have won that game, barring another boneheaded play by Reese Hoskins, who can't fundamentally do not even little league fielding, not even as we used to call it in, you know, back in our day, midget league fielding. This is what they teach you in T ball, baseball 101. Don't take your eyes off the ball. I don't even care if you scoop the ball, and I can't remember who hit it, and he gets on first, but you've stopped Altuve, I think who was on third, from scoring. The moment that ball got by you, he was going to score, and that was the final nail in the coffin for me with, with Reese Hoskins. Not the fact that he literally had like one hit all World Series. It was that, because I've seen it time and time again, the last five years and i always preface five years because i've been home from the army for five years and that's when i really ramped up my phillies games um and i'm just i'm sick of it i'm 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 really sick of it. i'm trying not to curse because we have we have a great sponsor um (laughs) because you guys know i have the mouth of a of of, a soldier because i was one um but and, and I'll get, I will we'll get to him in a minute and I'll get to Noel in a minute and I'll get the, I'll get the topper in a minute because he pissed me off last night. And, but I, I do think the future is bright for this team. I think they're going to go out and make the right decisions. They're probably going to move on from Gene Segura. Um, they, cause they know they can put Stott at second. There's four phenomenal shortstops in, in free agency they can go after. Um, so, I feel like this team, this was a premonition, kind of how we harken back to 07. 07 was the gateway to that five year run of division titles and stuff like that. I feel like now, but we overachieved. We didn't make the playoffs and get swept by the Rockies. We got to the World Series and took the blueprint of the M- of Major League Baseball to the brink almost. The only two losses, as Chris and Jay said, the only two losses that the Astros were dealt with, dealt in this playoffs. to us, one in Houston, one in Philly, and that's pretty impressive, and I just kind of feel like they, it was a combination of not being the best hitters in the game, they're great power hitters, everybody, almost everybody in that team has just, has a ridiculous amount of power that they can generate through their bat into the ball, even guys like Brandon Marsh who can't hit a fastball to save his life, but when he can, it's gone, like it's just out of here. Um, but I damn, I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> but I I feel like this is this is the the brink of something amazing, and it's been building since we signed Bryce. Even though we had JT, we, not the season for it, but he was he was traded here before him. We signed Touch before Bryce. Uh, I think we signed. I can't remember what year we signed Wheeler. Was it eighteen or nine? It was nineteen, I think. So. It's been a, it's been a, it's, it's it's been building to this, and we over completely overachieved, and I'm proud of them. But now on to the two got two players that I blame the most, and it's the same two that Chris blame the most, and it's Aaron Nola, and it's Reese Hoskins, and I'm a little less hard on Nola because I've I have always looked at him as a number three starter. I've nev- I'm have never. i not one of those people that are like, oh, he's an ace. I have friends that are like that. I have friends that say stupid shit to me. Like, do we need to pull up Clayton Kershaw's early stats in the postseason? Well, at this point in Clayton Kershaw's career, he had won a Cy Young and an MVP and multiple 20-game se- win seasons. So, no. <laughs> so that's the stupid stuff I get t- told by my friends. I think he's going to be back, like Chris and Jay both said, because he's on a team friend and deal. And I believe he's in the last year of his deal.
0: Yes, um, sorry. Uh, I was okay. actually just looking at it. So mm. he has a ending right now. Like the Phillies have a choice to make. He has a sixteen million dollar team option for this season, mm. Um, mm. and he has a four and a quarter million dollar buyout. So, mm. so I assume mm. he's going to be back. With that sixteen million dollar number is really low.
2: Probably, especially because the starting pitching market's not phenomenal. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, and I feel the same about. Reese, um, because he is arbitration eligible, which means they could probably get him for relatively cheap money. I mean, he's a Boris guy, but he's not going to get an ass ton of money through arbitration. And also, the first baseman market is not very good in free agency either, which means they need to upgrade shortstop and maybe do some dealing in the trade market. But... You cannot go – you cannot have the streak that Reese Hoskin had in this World Series and not get blamed for it. You cannot make defensive errors like he made. One that I would say cost us the Game 5. You can't do that and then not like expect to get ridiculed. And I'll throw Nick Cassianos into that too. I know he's been piss poor all season, but – I don't want to see your mom and your wife on Twitter crying that you're getting attacked because you're stealing money from this organization right now. You are the hitting version of Jake Arietta. That's what you are. You come up to that plate, dude, I could hit a fastball better than you now. And I haven't played competitive baseball in over a decade. And I could hit a fastball better than you could. I could hit a breaking ball better than you could, because I wouldn't swing at stuff that I can't hit, which is out of the zone. So, and 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 with Nola, it's the same thing. You cannot trust a guy, and I will never trust a guy again. In the three most important starts of his career, he came up super short. Not even like, ah, shit, got to the sixth inning, and he gave up a go-ahead home run. No, nope. he just imploded every third, fourth, and fifth inning going forward. So I hate you, and I blame you. <laughs> and I blame Alvarado, which is funny because I said it to you guys, I said it to a couple other people. This is very much the 93 team and Alvarado has cemented his place in Philadelphia history as the new Mitch Williams. That's exactly what he is. And my final quip, uh, not quip, my final um, complaint about this world series, not as much as Chris with the lineups, though. I do think they should have been tinkered with. I think Balm should have at least been moved up above Cassianos because he was kind of making contact at time, more contact than Cassianos was, but um, is Rob Thompson pulling out Zach Wheeler last night. Game six, the dude's hit 98, 99 on the gun. He's virtually unhittable in this game. I think at that point he had only given up two or three hits, has not given up any runs. Martín Maldonado is – what is he saying? Get out of here, Jay. Um, uh, is, you know, leaning into a pitch. So ride your ace as Chris said, there's no tomorrow. Why are you pulling him out? That was my first thought. You pull him out, but for what? There is no tomorrow. And it's not like this was game uh, four with Nola and he'd walk the bases loaded. There was a man on first and third with one out. Double play ends that inning. So what's the big deal? It gives up a base hit and they tie the game. But you still got probably a man on first and second with one out. Again, double play ends the inning. And I think that's a decision that, that he needs to rectify next year. Um, I don't know how he does that, but you can't make, learn from. You can't make that decision again. Don't, and I, I said this to the guys before <clears throat> we got on air. Don't become the Dave Roberts of Philadelphia, because what le- he did last night is a Dave Roberts move and be somebody who is also a Dodgers fan who likes Dave Roberts. That is the stuff that the reason why it doesn't matter how how many hundred win seasons you have. And the fact that you've been to three world series in the last five years, six years, that's a Dave Roberts move. That's why people want Dave Roberts fired because Zach Wheeler's dealing, or it could have been Dave Roberts. Walker Bueller's dealing. I'm going to pull him out because the script of analytics tells me to put a lefty on a lefty right here because there's a man on second. You can't be doing those things in the world series when there's no tomorrow. But in closing, I'm proud of this team. I'm disappointed, too, because we had the Astros. And that's where all my anger came from the pa- this whole series was the Astros weren't phenomenal this series. Yeah, their pitching was pretty good for a lot of it, but their pitching also made a lot of mistakes. And we were getting guys on, whether it's through walks, a couple hit batters, or some, just some cheap singles. We had people on base, and we just left them stranded pretty much all game five and all game six. But thank you for a great season. um, And thank you for proving me wrong all season. um, And I will be back to my usual half the home games next year, as I always usually am. I'm done.
0: That's all good. Um, All right. Thank you, both of you. So the the plan of this show, guys, and I kind of thought of it last night and I you know, instead of saying boo-hoo-hoo in the group, I just said, look, guys, come <laughs> on. Come you up went
2: with- you went to bed in the seventh, and that was it. <laughs> I,
0: yeah. Bed as in, like, I'm turning my phone off, and I'm just going to weep myself <laughs> into the ninth <laughs> inning. I'm um, actually
2: mad at myself because when was it – I think it was when Martin Otto got hit by the thing. By that pitch, I would like, "The Astros are winning this game three yeah, to one." it's like,
1: yep. You said I, like you said that. I, like, you said it, that the first game after the first run, too. Though, <laughs> <you
2: know? laughs> yeah, I just had a bad feeling what was about to happen. It just it just seemed like something bad was going to happen. Good steamroll, yeah.
0: So what I wanted to do tonight was to let all of us kind of have our our <laughs> moment to you know uninterrupted, just get it all out of our, off our chests because as we get into the offseason, season, um, we're not going to really harken back a lot at all to this World Series uh, this is kind of our end of the season Phillies recap and I think there's no better what uh, time to do it than the night after. They end the World Series uh, because this is as raw as it's going to be, as Phillies fans. Um, because now. It more
2: raw last night. But... Yeah, I know. It <laughs> would have been a
1: much different show last
2: night. Oh, for sure. Last night.
1: I mean, last night. Last night. Yeah. Last night, we would have lost Geek
0: real fast last night. Uh, by the way, if you guys go to SeatGeek.com, if you want to grab some tickets to anything local or wherever you're listening from, uh, use our code on the bump all one word for $20 off your very first Seek Geek ticket purchase. So head over there and do that for us uh, right now. And look, $20 is $20. That takes care of, you know, the the $9 billion service fees that they charge you. <laughs> um, but you'll be all right there. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is kind of the platform I wanted to do is we're three diehard Phillies fans. And that was the most excitement, you know, that You know, it's almost like that Braves and like Padres series feels like it was like two months ago. Like there was such a a roller coaster (laughs) ride with this road series. Um, The fact that it's over, it's like, geez. But luckily, free agency started today, uh, November 6th. The winter meetings are at the end of December. Training, uh, spring training is in the end of February. We're approximately, I think, 99 days uh, away from pitchers and catchers. And like 144 days away from yes, opening sir. day.
1: 144. So
0: it's incredible how fast this is going to come. And actually to, there's two things I kind of wrote down here listening to you guys and we'll, we'll, let's get into that. And that's where the team is going in the offseason. And I agree with Jason and I agree with Dean in terms of like 93, they didn't win for like 37 years again. Um, <laughs> and then, But I feel like this team is different because unlike 93 through, you know, once like Pat Gillick showed up uh, in the 2000s, Middleton is willing to spend. He's has shown he's willing to even go over the luxury tax as he did uh, with Castellanos. Um, What I wrote down here is Middleton and Bryce's relationship and communication. What it feels like to me when a guy like Bryce after losing the World Series says, oh, we're going to be back we'll have probably a lot of the same team, but there's going to be new pieces added. That tells me that this guy's already had conversations, I'm sure, with John Middleton and company to say, look, this is what we need, and we're going to have to spend to do it. And the bar has now been set. Like Mm -hmm. in 2007, we thought, wow, this team's on the brink, but they didn't go to the World Series in 07. That didn't happen for the next year. Out of nowhere, this team is now in the World Series in 2022. Now the bar is high. Now the bar has to be division and 95 wins. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, and look, and I'll say this, and I told Jason this, um, and even though he kind of disagreed in a way, but you have to look at it this way. This was an 87-win team. Bryce Harper was out for 52 games. Zach Wheeler was hurt for a while. Nick Castellanos was out for a little bit. You would have to assume or believe if you have a healthy roster all year, this is at least a 92-93 win team.
2: Healthy roster and Rob Thompson all year. Exactly. And then you have, (laughs) you know, before Bryce got
0: hurt, if anybody wants to go look up the numbers, I don't have them right in front of me. He was pacing to be the best season of his career.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, it It was
0: was going to be a a back-to-back MVP season.
1: It was on par with his, like, the second half of last year. It was actually Mm -hmm. a little bit better than that.
2: Yeah, he just kept going. (laughs) <laughs> he is. He didn't stop. He is absolutely playing the best baseball he's ever played in his life since he's come to Philly. Yeah, like he's just better every single mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, and he needs to start taking better care of himself because <laughs> I mean he. Uh, but and what I mean is because he he plays so hard. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, that's not a bad thing tone but I it down just, a little because <laughs> we need, we need, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Tone it down a little bit. Um, and the other thing I wrote down is, and I think this is a organizational issue in mm-hmm. that I wrote Girardi's handling of the pitching staff is the same as what we saw with Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be because of the Girardi tree that Thompson was sitting under for a little bit. Yeah. The, the same reason why Girardi was bashed and ridiculed with, as the Yankees manager is what ended up happening here as well over the last few years with how he handled the staff and the bullpen yep. is he's Rob Thompson is very poor with the pitching staff and the bullpen. And that showed with what he did if, of all times, game six of the world Friggin series. You have your ace. This is your guy. We looked at game six as well. If Wheeler is back dealing 98 to 99 again, we've said this on our group chat. This was said all over online. You ride him until he physically can't throw that arm anymore. Like, this is it. Every inning is the last inning of your life. Yeah, And he pitched that way. And then he gives up a hit up the middle and you're like, all right, cool. I'll take him out now. It's done. I'm going to go bring in Alvarado.
2: That's my problem with Thompson. Had, had Wheeler given up the go-ahead runs, I would have accepted the loss. I would have been okay with that. Better. I would have been like, you know what? I mean, that's it. They got yep. our ace, and that 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 it's just not our year. Yeah. But he was dealing. That's what that, I, I was so – that's why I said to you guys, I was like, that's it. The Astros are winning through one. I just – I had a bad feeling about that inning. Yeah when Maldonado got hit on the sh- on the elbow I was like that's it cuz they did they didn't wave it off like they did what was that game one yeah yeah they didn't wave it off this time I was like oh here we go like that's it this this is this is a bad feeling and then mm-hmm. the single and the three run shot and I was like and the, I, I felt it coming
0: and the issue that I have with Thompson and Jay this is where <clears throat> you'll be able to piss and moan again at me on this <laughs> is My issue is okay, great. The lineup wasn't hitting, and I understand. Trust me, we all look at the batting averages and we see what these guys are doing. However, sometimes certain guys are better in less pressure spots in the lineup. Sometimes guys, when they're on it, when they can't hit, maybe keeping them at number two when a guy gets on base, or just keeping them at number two where they're doing absolutely nothing. Let's just find another guy in the lineup like an Alec Boehm whose contact rate is a hell of a lot better than a, a Reese Hoskins right now. And which is zero, by the way. Which Reese was probably zero, was, was zero. Right, zero. Then you just swap them because you never know. Maybe Boehm is a more comfortable guy. He might see more fastballs. He might have a better chance to hit where Hoskins is now sitting at number six or number five, and it's just different. It's a different mindset as a baseball player. There's a much different mindset from a guy to be a Schwarber at one than a Segura at seven. Like, it's a different mindset. Um, some guys react to that so well. And Schwarber did this season. His batting average sucked, but it never stopped him from being Kyle Schwarber. And he hit 52 total home runs this year at that leadoff
2: spot. And I agree. he he scored two no. of the last three runs we've scored. In, that's some, that's in the issue. Four to six. I say, we've said it, and I, on our first
1: podcast we had for this show, well, the old show, rolling into this one. The only adjustment i would be willing to concede with (laughs) with anyone is getting him out of the off of one a guy that hits 49 home runs he hit six home runs this postseason with 10 rbis Mm -hmm. my only issue the only way i take adjust that lineup at all is you move him to four or five Mm -hmm. how does that shake everything else up that might totally adjust your lineup because then you probably have segura at one but if you're not moving him out of that one spot, I to me that's the, the that's the guys that got you to this point. While I don't I don't believe at all that's them switching the lineup, I don't think it helps. Now hindsight, you don't know. You don't know if it helps. But when you have your one through six are really Hoskins through or Schwarber through Hoskins or whoever Bohm or whoever they have, yet, yeah, but I think Bohm you expect them to to hit wherever they're at those are especially bohms they brought him up he's a professional hitter outside of bryce nobody did anything and that that's the problem i think you said it before the show they said it on on fox what like 16 out of how many, 24 plate appearance he had nobody on base disgusting yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: he now and a lot of that is is schwarbert getting being in one and most of his hits were in the in the world series were home runs most of his half of his hits in the postseasons were home runs hoskins more than half his hits so that's the problem is when these guys so that's really the big only thing i would have moved is move them guys that are going to not have them at one and two because the two guys that had you have one two and four your most home runs so if harper has six home runs he's nobody on base for him because the other two guys are smashing them. yeah if you move Schwarber down i'm sure it adjusts everything But if you're not moving Schwerber out of one, I'm the guys that are banging. I need them at the top of my lineup. I need them where they're at. And you hope Mm. because when they're hot, they showed you when they're hot and when they're hitting clutch. They showed you what they can do. I'm not going to change it up in game five of the World Series when that's what got me there. Well, one, I'm not going to change.
0: Well, one, I don't care what got you there. This is the World Series now. You play your best that you possibly can. and And if you have to change, then you change. OK, not a Matt Veerling change or a Edmundo Sosa change. No, you're playing for immortality here. You're playing for a world championship. OK, Schwarber, I'm OK keeping at one. He had a 420 on base clip of six walks in the World Series with an OPS of 1120. So that guy can stay where he's at because out of nowhere, which is wonderful, he's drawing walks. He's getting on base at a 420 clip, which would probably be one of the best in baseball if this was the regular season
2: you so, know why, Chris? Why? Because Kyle Schwarber is a god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I> down. <laughs> <doubt>. So, <laughs> I you know, Schwarber. Hey man, we, Schwarberfest, baby. When
0: we needed him most, Schwarber showed up. And I give him all the credit in the world. As a World Series player, he was an absolute stud here. Um, but when you have Reese Hoskins in your two hole with a 150 on base percentage, I'm sorry. You will not. I don't care. I don't care what you tell me. Not you, Jay. I mean, yeah, you included. I don't care what anybody <laughs> wants to tell me. For Rob Thompson, for six games, you continually going back to 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 Reese Hoskins, who with that one fifty four and base percentage, like I said, you're good. You know, when we grow up playing baseball, there's such thing as a ghost runner. He's not even good enough to be a ghost runner. So it's like at some slower
2: than that ghost runner.
0: <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. And then you have Real Muto, who had one hit. Over his last 18 at bats, and yet led the team in strikeouts with 11. Your three hole hitter, which, sorry, you know, if you want to do a baseball for dummies thing really quick, baseball 101, the best hitter on your lineup is your three hole hitter. Well, okay. Well, so, so from game one through game six, you're, you worst- want us
1: game one. He won this game
0: one. Okay, he way. won. He won game one. Okay, so but from that game... doesn't
2: that doesn't warn him to be in the best yeah. hitting no, position. From, okay, so we lose in five games... games
1: instead of six.
2: If he if, if the lineup's different, we lose in five instead of six. How do you know? But but, at, but once I, I would have changed the lineup after after game four. You just got no hit. Let's shake it up. Yeah, something at has minu- to be shaken at up at minimum, that minimum. At minimum, he should have swapped Boehm and Castellanos because game, but Reese in was getting all
1: five home runs,
2: but and Castellanos did nothing. By the, way, can, say, like Castiano, by the way like by the way by the way
1: they they might have hit five
0: home runs in game three but let's kind of let's kind of dig a little bit deeper into that game other than those five home runs Jay and Dean not one player reached scoring position nope. other than those five home runs that's nine innings they scored seven runs which are all home runs not one player in between all of that well, reached second base
1: I'll agree with you but on that point that's that's an organizational issue with how they're the type of player we have. We're not built, we're not a, a lineup like Houston that can have a few guys bat at 300, like the Dodgers that have guys anywhere from 330 to 290 all over our lineup. We're a power hitting lineup. We're mm-hmm. a lineup that we're going to rely on the long ball, and that's how we're going to win. So if you have a lineup like that, that's how they're built, that's what's going to happen. We have multiple guys that over the career have been have hit 30 20 30 40 home runs in the top of that lineup that's what you this thing where we're hating on reese for coming up really small i agree it it sucked what he did but he is who i thought he was he's a guy that's going to hit them but you if you move them out of there you take i think you keep them where they're at because if they get if any one of those guys start hitting it's contagious and they'll all kill it and that's, that's how it's been.
0: But when they're not, and you're up against the end of your season here, down 3-2, you got to make a decision as a manager. Like, hey, let's switch these up. Is, is, is Thompson scared at, that Reese Hoskins is going to have poopy pants and start getting mad in the <laughs> locker room because he's got to move down a lineup? Because guess what? His CWPA, which is championship win probability, it's like a war in a, in a game, was a minus 27. Okay, which is historically the worst in the, in the modern era of baseball, by the way. So, mm-hmm. like I said, he would have helped the team win more games by just abandoning first base and not even playing baseball. So that's what I mean. Like I, If I'm Rob Thompson and I'm trying to be a juggernaut that was 19 games better than my team, I am not, after game three, then going through four, five, and six, Reese Hoskins is not my number two and JT is damn well, not my number three. Like you, I mean, I would either have bumped Bryce up to three or two. I would have loved for Bryce to be two because that would have allowed him to at least sometimes have a guy on first base for him. Cause Schwarber just kept getting on base. You know, he led the, the he just the, kept walking. Yeah. He led the, he was tied with uh, Bryce for the most walks in the postseason. So at least Bryce, that's another problem that Thompson doesn't recognize how does John Smoltz, the idiots of all idiots at broadcasting, n- put know that, hey, you know, uh, 16 of 24 of at-bats for b- Bryce Harper, there's zero humans on base for him to to drive in runs? You're not going to maybe, as Rob Thompson, be like, hey, you know what, that's a pretty awful stat. Maybe for games five and six, I'll throw Bryce up in the two hole because my leadoff hitter is getting on base right
1: now. But if your leadoff hitter gets on base, Bryce should be getting up. But let's I know double play. I get it. But most times when you're, yeah, I getting mean, up, but you know,
0: so you, it's not going to change. The whole point it's is not going to
2: change what it, it was. doesn't
0: change the mentality at all. You think at all to these the players whole, like, oh, shit, like something's got to change here,
2: here here. Here it comes down to this. We no, were cool this we, point. we were we were in a an elimination game, game six it's win or go home. Yeah. And he did he did nothing to try to change the team.
0: No, yes, he did. He said, oh, Matt Vierling and Edmund Mundo Sosa is going to take us to this. Hey, game. Sosa almost had a three-run blast. <laughs> he
2: did. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that, hey, that's 20 what feet the fucking Reese Hoskins did, and Nick Cassianos did all series. Mm. Because Reese Hoskins hit a solo home run that mattered nothing in game three. I agree. He, he did nothing in this in this series. And, that, that's and he cost them, point.
0: what, game five?
2: Yeah, that's my, that's my point. You're in game six. You don't have to drastically change it. Like, I'm not bringing in um, – hey, call Torres from the uh, the minor leagues and bring him in. I'm saying, like, okay, Segura and Baum are, like, 300 hitters in the regular season pretty much. How about I drop the two people down in the lineup who haven't hit a damn ball in a week? Yeah. Let's see if those guys if, – if Segura can get – um Swarber over to second base, and we got a man on first and second, because guess what? He got a hit in the World Series game six. Yeah.
1: Segura's you know on-base who... percentage is worse than his average in the World Series, But What's his on-base percentage? It can't, be can't, can't be worse than
2: Castellanos. Can't be worse than Castellanos <laughs> and, and uh, Reese So Hotskins, Alec
0: though. Boehm in the World Series had... No, Segura. Two... Segura. I know, but I'm saying Alec um, Boehm had a 286 batting average in the World Series, 348 on-base percentage. Imagine, And, if he and got he's not hips... good enough to be better than Reese Hoskins. Who was invisible, like literally the Invisible Man?
1: See, I think we talked about this. Those top six are really interchangeable. I, but if you the girl like was to me, the only
0: person with a worse OBP than Reese, they're
1: not. He, they're they're, they're and he the got top hit six though. Hey, not, he drove in a when run. When you're comfortable where you're at, when you have these guys in this lineup for virtually the September. And October, and you have that lineup, and that's what's getting you there. That got you nine and two, or yeah, nine wins, two losses. You dominated once they came on the Cardinals, you dominated the Braves pretty much, and you dominated the Padres. I understand you the you want to switch it up, mm-hmm. but when that team, those guys, that lineup mash me into them. I'm gonna let them get out of it. I'm not gonna say one bad game and panic. Now did it turn out the way it did because game five and game six looked pretty inept offensively outside of Schwarber's two home runs. Mm-hmm. But I because to me those those are panic moves and that's not that's not this team's identity. This team's identity is a team that's going to hit a bunch of home runs. You hope there's guys on base when they do it, which for ninety percent of that postseason they were. It was that ten percent in those last three games that they had nobody on. Yeah, and, and it bit him in the butt.
0: Okay, but Jason, that just those three games just so happened to be in the World Series.
1: I, I agree. And, and I'm and with the, you on that. Games four, five,
0: and six. Schwarber went two for ten with four strikeouts, but also had three walks. Hoskins, 0 for 13, six strikeouts. Real Muto, 1 for 12, seven strikeouts. Castellanos, 0 for 11 with nine strikeouts. Nope. Don't change a thing. We are going to hit them to death So if you involve him up,
1: though, you're still moving up Segura. You're moving up Marsh. Who can't no, I said, either. boom. I said, move up Harper and boom. Yeah, but if you, well, you have three of those dudes, now you're putting, okay, so Schwerber walks. Harper's not going to get a pitch to hit. So now you have those three bums batting after him. But you don't. But you got to get anywhere. You got to get
0: guys
2: on base anywhere you can. You were just no hit in game four. That's when the change should have happened. Like, that's like, my like, issue. Like you're in. That's what I said. You're in game six. Game plans, they go out the window. It's win at all costs. All hands on deck. I next, think when you're pitching staff, 100%, innings. You're you're pitching. You're you're riding wheel. You should have rode
1: Wheeler. Is agreed. The, that's the only. Yes, the only thing I'll concede to you guys is I would have rode Wheeler. I said before. I said earlier he needs to go seven. We all discussed it. Yeah. I for said sure. se- it has to be seven. Yeah. He got through six. Could it finish no, he he got six and a third? No, that's got five the only and, you move. Got Five and a third. Five and a third. I oh, wouldn't even make it out. Oh, okay. No. So I'm even wrong on that. But to me. The, that's the only thing I could see. The only move I didn't like from Tomper. Outside mm-hmm. the lineup. I'm okay. I'm conceding to him that he knows this team. He has the his thumb on the pulse of this team, and he knows what's going again, how you're going to win. And if you Tomper. move all three of those guys down, you have
2: to move three more guys up. And that's I would the have issue, only I I wish have two to... and
0: three had a pulse.
2: My per- <laughs> What I would have personally done, I would have just swapped Castellanos and Boehm. Because the way Bryce was getting on base, you needed somebody behind him who had, who was getting contact at least. Castellanos wasn't even getting contact; he was just swinging it. You could have just rolled a bowling ball down the middle of the plate. And now he was swinging that. That was what I would have done. Like because he had been shit all season.
0: Yeah, the Castellanos that's thing. That's going to be. A, uh, that's going to be. That's going to be a massive, massive thing in the offseason and something to really look at in spring training. I, he, I hope he comes hurt. back next. Year. I wonder
2: if he's hurt. Like, not, not like. I, not I think like, he's definitely hurt. I think he is too. I I just hope he. I hope he. Well, I mean, look, listen, JT mentally recovered last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope next year he fixes this because he's a great hitter when he's when he's on. Yeah,
1: so I think that's
2: the that's the frustrating thing about this whole season and especially in the playoffs. Like this dude went from three hundred. To like 30 plus home runs. Yeah. yeah to like yeah. nothing. He, to it was just like 40. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it was, it, that's what was frustrating about it. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. So that'll, that's going to wrap us up here. I mean, a couple of things here to, to, to get us to the end. As we move forward next week's show, we're going to talk to everyone about what we think the Phillies need to do in the offseason, uh, to get back at least either one, get, just to get back to the postseason and have a shot. At the World Series. Uh, we'll talk about that amongst other things, of course, um, soon we're going to get into some some fun topics in terms of top 10s, um, other ma- massive topics that have you know been going around for the last few decades. That, you know, we live through uh, to get us through uh, the rest of November and, and then we'll take a break a little bit after maybe our first December show and come back when the winter meetings are ready to roll. A um, couple little things here. The. Star closer Edwin Diaz and the Mets uh, agreed to a five-year, one hundred and two million dollar contract pending a physical, um, according insane. to Jeff Pass and ESPN. There is an opt out and a full, but a full no-trade clause plus a six-year option. So, arguably the best closer in baseball is he's staying what with Wheeler the Mets. Makes. Like, I that's know, insane. He's Some a closer. People, yep, he's a closer. It is the largest contract. Um, a reliever has ever gotten in baseball i mean of course um so edwin diaz stays in the division um a couple other things anthony rizzo declined his player option so he's going to be a free agent uh, carlos radon did the same thing as expected he is going to be a free agent i'm sure that's a player that john middleton and the phillies are going to be keeping their eyes on um but yeah look there's a lot that's going to be going on in the off-season, boys and girls. So uh, we are very much excited for the future of the show and, and what's coming because, listen, the, the season basically just begins the day after the World Series. Um, it's a 365, 24-7 uh, sport now, uh, just like the NFL. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at with baseball. Uh, free agency officially opened up today, uh, the 6th, uh, which is always a day after the World Series. Not the sixth, but I'm just saying today at the World Series when free agency opens up. Um, all right, so this was our Philadelphia Phillies eulogy and a wrap up of the of the 2022 Major League season. Um, overall, guys, what do you give this season, uh, the season, the Phillies season in terms of a grade? I I give them an A. I can't give them an A plus, but I give them an A for what they battled through and what they did. Just to, like it's amazing just to think about what they did and what they overcome overcame to get. To the world series so my grade uh if i didn't give that earlier is an a
1: uh, i'll agree with you i think outside of a few players too because you think how many kind of c and d players are on this team right now mm-hmm. um I, I do i do agree i think uh they fought and they showed grit and they showed heart and uh it's got to be like you said I, I can't be an a plus they didn't pull it out at the end yep um but they definitely had a fantastic season yeah and congrats um, to the Houston Astros.
0: No. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> congrats to Dusty Baker.
1: Yeah.
0: Dusty Baker. I'll give him that. That's fine.
2: Yeah. Uh, I give him an F. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, I give him an A. They overachieve. Yeah. For sure. All right, guys. It's this crazy is, to think about a team with this payroll overachieved. I know, right?
0: It's like, <laughs> yeah. This is where they should have been. <laughs> yeah. They are who we expected them to be in, in April. Um All right, guys, this is the On the Bump podcast. On the Bump podcast on Instagram. Uh, Thank you guys so much who's been checking us out. Again, uh, our brand-new sponsor, um, you know, sponsoring this show, SeatGeek. Head over to SeatGeek.com. Use our code On the Bump, all one word, uh, for $20 off your very first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. Um, Wherever you guys are listening from, if you're in the local area where we are here, you want to go to a Flyers or Sixers game, um, head over to SeatGeek, use our code, and you get $20 off your ticket. So, geez, if you can find a, um, a Flyers or a Sixers game for $20, bucks, you are practically going for free if you're using SeatGeek for the first time with our code. So go over there. Check that out. Again, SeatGeek.com. On the bump is your promo code for $20 off your first Seat, uh, SeatGeek ticket purchase. All right, guys. For Jason Kent, Dean Holzapel, I'm Christy Francesco, and we'll catch you guys down the road. Talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, and bye-bye.